and welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. I release new episodes every second Monday. Please subscribe to the show wherever you like to get your podcasts to remain updated. If you want to be in touch, you can find me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver. You can like the Sound of the Moment page, and you can email me at pat at soundofthemoment.com. There is a Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash sound of the moment where you can make a monthly or one-off donation to help me with covering the costs of production and hosting. Thank you so much to those of you who already support me in that way. This is episode number 39 for the 29th of April 2019. Composer and band leader Tain Vimicha is my guest. He is the director of Amok, the Amsterdam Modern Orchestra. Before our conversation, here is some music from their debut EP. This is called Reflexi.
composer, uh, band leader, director, all of that stuff. Uh, Tyn Wiebega is my guest today on the show. Tyn, thanks for being here. Thank you, Pat. I always like to begin this show by asking my guests to introduce themselves a bit, to tell people a bit about who you are, what you do, um, all the things that you're up to and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. Um, I am Tyn, Tyn Wiebega, and um, I compose music um, that is inspired by many musicians around Amsterdam, mm -hmm. uh, mainly. Um, I'm also very inspired by um, the new wave electronic music scene. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I have to say I'm truly inspired by the Indian rhythmic techniques. That's also um, pretty much hip now in the Amsterdam scene. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's hip, but like you see it everywhere. Um, yeah, the, there's a department at the conservatory that has uh, that has highly encouraged that to become a thing, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, and you see that like in Amsterdam, the 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 buzz is a bit bigger than elsewhere. Yeah. And I'm in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. um, and um, right now, already for three years, I have this dream to create um, an Amsterdam orchestra that... Um, shows all that kind, all those colors uh, that are elsewhere in the scene, in little clubs, in little uh, garages, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so with this orchestra, I'm, I'm trying to find uh, a balance between all those different styles. Um, and now I'm going to play at the BIM house. So that's the first time I really show what I've been um, developing for the last months. Yeah. Cool. Um before we get to to the orchestra itself yeah. and, and what you've been up to uh, uh, building towards this show in Bim House, um, tell me a bit about like the your your background as a composer. Like I I recently spoke to um, Alistair Pickering on the show about how he decided to study composing as a thing. Like obviously it is a thing that people do, but it seems like a less conventional thing to do. Yes. Like people typically go into the conservatory and as, as an instrumentalist. And they learn to play their instrument better, and they also compose on the side because yeah. that's just what you do now. But the the idea of actually dedicating yourself to composing um, music and composing jazz music and composing for improvisers and that kind of stuff is yeah. is maybe a path less trodden, I suppose. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a bit about how how you decided to do that? What was the yeah? How how did that come about? Yeah. Well. I started playing the piano mm -hmm. um, and I listened to jazz since I'm seven. Um, so my first dream was to um, play the piano and have a jazz trio. Yeah. Um, um, so at my when I was 15, I went to the conservatory for the junior jazz college. Yeah. Um, and um, I came there as a jazz pianist. Um, there were two things hap that were happening during that period I was there. The first thing was that when uh, the teacher asked me to um, uh, learn a piece that I was writing an intro and I practiced that like completely and then <laughs> the whole theme was a bit uh, tricky for me still. Okay. So um, uh, if I look back to it now, I already prioritized a certain way of dealing with the music. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and the second thing was that um, I got injured in my arms mm -hmm. um, a half year after I was um, admitted to this program. Okay. Um, so that uh, made me think more about um, in the future, what could I do if, I, if my arms are not working? Mm -hmm. um, so those two things uh, made me decide to really focus more on composing rather than playing as the main subject. Yeah. Um, and the nice thing is that during my time at the conservatory, I started playing again and I met people that inspired me so much that the playing became again an important role uh, in my life. Yeah. And then also by playing, by learning from all the musicians you play with, your compositions become also more musical and less mm. abstract, let's say. Um, so I'm very grateful that that came back to me. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then I suppose the extension of that is the idea of uh, directing. Like one thing is like sitting with your pencil and writing yeah. the music and giving it away to people and making them and 
hoping that they perform it properly kind of thing. And then yeah. there's the idea of like standing in front of an ensemble and, and being part of that, yeah. that performance. Was that also something that you already, uh, that you figured out early on that that was kind of, maybe it's a weird way to put it, but the, your instrument becomes that to a certain extent that yes. your way of performing is... Yeah, when I saw, um, like I have one mentor from my hometown, Horen, and uh, I played in his orchestra. Mm -hmm. And I saw him conducting, and then I already knew, like, this is something that I would love to do. But at that time, I didn't really know what it actually meant mm -hmm. to be a conductor. Um, but when I was at the conservatory, I, I had uh, conducting lessons with um, Lucas Fis, a classical conductor. Yeah. And he really showed me, what conducting is about. And I'm, I'm not saying that like I'm already there, but mm -hmm. like my dream is to to be a person in front of the orchestra that can make the other people feel comfortable to get out of their normal comfort zone um, and to give them the space to really play what they want mm -hmm. and really play the best they can. Yeah. So um, I want to be in a position uh, not to... Um, show off like many people you know they call you then maestro and whatsoever mm -hmm. but I, I really don't care about that stuff it's more that um, I really get happy if I can be part of creating a certain space wherein beautiful things can happen um, and um, with the tools I've learned from the conservatory um, I know I can when I prepare myself well um, I can be part of creating that beautiful space. Yeah. Um, but as many people know, and I'm aware of that, it takes a lot of time and experience before you really um, uh, can be that person at yeah. that very moment. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And so how, um, obviously you're, you're writing for, for improvisers to a certain extent, and I feel like that the idea of writing for improvisers kind of connects to what you're saying right now. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder how what your approach to that is like how do you like in practice how do you create that space in which people feel comfortable and at the same time how do you kind of uh i mean compromise is the wrong way to put yeah. it i suppose but how do you find that balance between i'm writing this music this is the music that i want you guys to play and at the same time i know that you guys are all great improvisers yeah. and i want you guys to make <laughs> yeah. the music either make the music that i write better or add to what i'm playing like yeah. how, like what, yeah, what is your philosophy there? Yeah, um, to be honest, I'm still searching for the right balance. Mm -hmm. um, last year I composed and sort of directed a musical theater piece yeah. um, with an hour of music, with live electronics, with um, and a few acoustic instruments. Mm -hmm. um, and there I wrote a few charts with some certain set of rules. Um, and we had... 14 all day long rehearsals. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So we could really investigate together how we want to play that kind of music. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was very free. Um, so I, that was more like I had a conceptual and musical idea. I knew what the big line or the, the spawning spoke, what's that? Uh, yeah, the... Um, uh, Sorry, my uh, when when people speak Dutch to yeah. me, I think in Dutch. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the yeah line is is probably yeah. not uh, the the arc of the something. Arc, I suppose, yeah, is the way that's you would maybe say better. It. And then we had plenty of time to um, investigate how we could do it. And there, uh, you realize when you look back to the result that the character of those musicians is so much embodied in that music mm -hmm. um, that that's. A fantastic thing to look back to. Maybe that's a weird sentence, but um, I'm really happy with the end result and the uh, the balance between the conceptual way of composing and the uh, characteristics of the improvisers in the in the group. Yeah. Um, so that was one part where I really could have the time to uh, let go of like the, um, the idea of composing everything. Mm -hmm. um, so now um, with the music I've been writing for this orchestra, it's way more composed. And also um, we rehearsed yesterday and I realized a lot that this, like that I really felt those fantastic musicians are playing my notes and I know they can be 
doing more than that. Mm -hmm. um, so now I'm also thinking of where I can create more space and um, more interesting uh, moments for them to develop their own voice. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, forever I will be trying to find the right balance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and is there? I, I, this is one of those questions where I can only assume the answer is yes, but hopefully the, there can be some development to it. Like, yeah. is there a feedback loop that happens there between the moment that you you compose, you bring it to the musicians, they perform it, and then you're like, oh wait, actually I should rewrite this in this way. And like, how how much of uh, again, this is kind of the obvious question, but how much of the personality of the musicians that you know are going to perform the music is already a part of the compositional process for yeah. you? Um, for the music that I've been writing for the last month, I knew who's, who, were, who were going to play it. So that helped me a lot in, in um, writing the music. Mm -hmm. uh, but definitely, um, after a rehearsal like this, you get a lot of feedback. Um, also for, for, for yourself, but also from the people that are playing it. Yeah. Um, so um, I still need to sit down for an hour and rethink what I've been thinking during the rehearsal and what the people have been saying. Uh, but definitely I'm going to make changes mm -hmm. um, in order to make the music more organic, more fluent, more personal. Yeah. Um, because yes, I've been writing it on my own, but we are playing it with 14 people. So yeah. of course I need to um, d keep on developing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and one thing I've learned from Jules Buckley is also to just scrap out parts yeah you know don't be don't be afraid of doing that i've seen him do that he oh, threw man. away he threw away multiple arrangements during our 10 men project with him where yeah. we were like but this was so much work and he's like yep we're gonna skip that it's like yeah oh, okay well he's right kill your babies i suppose is yeah. is, uh, is the common and that's uh, so hard but you should yeah. do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i mean i suppose the arrangers get paid anyway so yeah. it's it you don't have to feel too bad. No, that's still a bit sad, I suppose, if you've written a whole thing and then it just doesn't. Um, but yeah, um, so this, I'm, I'm interested in the structure of this orchestra that you yeah. have. Um, uh, so for we have, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but uh, Amok is what what uh, what you're calling it, the Amsterdam Modern Orchestra, correct? Or Amsterdam's Museum Orchestre uh, yeah. for the Dutch speakers. Uh, as far as I understood, it's kind of structures as a collective in your mind. Yeah. Um, and it's not, I mean, right now the incarnation of it is there's 14 people that you're going to have on stage at the Bim House and you've got a show, well, as this episode releases, you've got a show tonight. Um, can you can you tell me about the, that that structure? Like, is it that you, you see it as a flexible kind of ensemble and that people are going to come in and out? Um, is it also flexible lineups? Because, like, I is, I mean, you, so you guys just recorded an EP with a much smaller ensemble. Um, how do you kind of define that uh, that ensemble, so to speak? Yeah. So again, this is still developing. Mm -hmm. So actually, the main thing that 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 stays there is my dream. So my dream is to create a group of people. Um, uh, where we can um, make music from our scene, like it's that that the music that has is being performed um, is clearly European, let's say, or clearly Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. It's clearly uh, the music of the individuals of the band. Yeah. It's clearly from this time, mm -hmm. um, because I think like and I'm inspired by uh, Vuma Vuma Levine. Yeah. Uh, by that, because in his music you can really hear that um, he's from South Africa, and that he has been to Holland, and that he has been developing his his uh, musical character in Holland. Mm -hmm. So in in his music you 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 see the dichotomy between Europe and South Africa. Let's say yeah yeah yeah. Um, it's so clear, and I don't know exactly why, but you can hear it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it feels very true, that music. It's really Fuma Levine yeah. that lived uh, after the 2000s, let's say. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So that's something that I would like to create um, as a sort of um, way to yeah, really express the time and place, the here and now uh, in the jazz scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so can you... Um 
Do you know, I mean, I suppose this is a very open-ended question, but yeah. do you know how you define that yet? I suppose you're still searching for it, but um, so yesterday, uh, I was actually subbing for your band yesterday, yeah. so I, I actually saw the rehearsal and was there for that. Um, <laughs> it struck me as interesting that, and this is a very typical Amsterdam thing, you've got like 14, 15 people in a room and two of them are Dutch and everybody yeah. else is from all over the world. Yeah. Um, I suppose that's one aspect of how you define that kind of Amsterdam sound is yeah, that it's definitely. a super multicultural thing. Yeah. Um, but how do you, well, I, I mean, I think it's a combination. So we've mentioned Vuma now. Um, maybe we want to go over who the people are, how you selected them, what was the idea behind that. Yeah. Um, and also like, do you have an idea at this point of what that sound is? Yeah. Um, Indeed, that's something difficult to define. And also, uh, that's uh, what I need to mention is, it's my perspective of the Amsterdam sound. Yeah, okay. So, um, I can't say that I will discover the typical Amsterdam sound. However, I want—I really want to be part of it. And I want mm. that people that are listening to this music really feel this is from here. Um yeah. So that's that's very. I think it's very important to mention that because um, as an individual, you you can't express the complete Amsterdam scene. No, obviously. of course. Yeah. yeah. However, um, I've been selecting the musicians in a way um, that might come close to to that, um, so that in one concert you might be able to get a glimpse of many different aspects of it. Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, could I go through the musicians? Please do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, because it's very interesting, actually. I would start with uh, the string section. Mm -hmm. um, the cellist is Pau Sola, mm -hmm. um, and he he's a great free improviser. He's yeah. actually a composer himself. Mm -hmm. um, fantastic cellist, uh, cello player, um, and a, yeah, a very interesting person to create conceptual ideas about music and put it into music that is like not in the mind but really into the um like in an emotional way let's yeah. say yeah, yeah yeah so he really embodied his way of improvising he embodied all those carnatic techniques so when he plays that stuff it's really music yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's really interesting and um, i've been working on this music theater project mm -hmm. with him yeah. um and that was really a keeper like Yes, I, you know, I discovered Pau and yeah, you this found the cellist. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I should underline there's one one aspect of the music before we move on to to more of the string players. Like, it is extremely rhythmically challenging. And yeah. yesterday, I was really impressed that you have, frankly, that you found people that can do that. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> yeah. especially dealing with string players. And no offense to all my wonderful string brethren out there, but it is quite unusual to find people who can bring that rhythmical feel um, to string quartet playing basically yeah. um so yeah um that's so, the thing i felt i should underline. <laughs> yeah exactly and i'm very happy to have found those people yeah. um the viola player is uh george dimitrio yeah he'll be very familiar to listen to this podcast because yes he's probably the most featured musician in, <laughs> in all records being made in amsterdam yeah somehow. yeah 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 it's a fantastic player and um you know if you see his history like he studied um classical violin in Romania, um, and he had a good career there. Yeah. Then he started to study jazz guitar in Amsterdam. Yeah. You know, it's brilliant. And now he's playing viola. Yeah. Um, he also did live electronics. So you know, he's very broad, and it's very special that um, that you yeah you hear his guitaristic approach sometimes on the viola. Yeah. But he also has the classical technique yeah, of absolutely. really creating good sound. So. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy. This is the first time I work with him. Okay, yeah. So, um, I'm I'm very happy he's uh, he's part of it. And then I have uh, Pablo Pablo Rodriguez mm -hmm. on the second violin um, from the Canary Islands, mm -hmm. and um, he's a groove meister. Mm -hmm. He uh, he studied certain ways of um, like chopping, for instance, or using different techniques to to create groove. Yeah, um, and I'm really happy he's there because also we had a string section rehearsal mm -hmm. and he was doing that and like all the other guys were like, oh, what are you doing there? Can you uh, teach me? You know, so yeah. a really nice feature to have um, in that group. Yeah. Um, 
he he's also with finger picking and stuff very very um, advanced. Yeah. So we could learn so much from him. Yeah. Um, and then I have Andre Felipa Lima on the first violin from Brazil, um, and he's a, a fantastic classical violinist mm-hmm. uh, that is um, advanced in rhythms and that is really now finding his way uh, on how he wants to express his music and his, his music emotions. Um, so he's he's really he has two legs. Let's mm-hmm. say he's uh, and in, uh, with one leg he's in the classical world, and with one leg he's starting to get uh, known in the jazz world. Yeah. And he has a fantastic sound. Like when he plays a, a melody, you know, everybody will be silent and will close his eyes. Yeah. So what a great group, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, should I continue with yeah, the musicians? Please or? do. Please yeah. do. I mean, I think it's good to the the point is. I find that the, I mean, it's dumb, but there's kind of a parallel between what I'm doing here, trying yeah. to feature like various musicians of the scene on this podcast, and yeah. the idea of your ensemble of 14 people who I think deserve attention, and yeah, the idea that you're writing music to give them attention is yeah. kind of a really important part of your work. So yeah. please, please keep talking, cool. keep telling people about who yeah. is in this band. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. So then the um, I have four um, horns. Yeah. So I have on trombone Odai Al Magut. Mm-hmm. Um, from Moscow, yeah. Um, and the reason I um, I asked him is that he has a very special um, attitude, let's say, um, mm-hmm. not in terms of personality, uh, but in terms of playing. Like you know, when he when you see Odai playing, he's really there. Yeah. He's really projecting what he's thinking about or what he's want what he's wanting to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a very strong power in him. And I thought that I need that kind of uh, personality in the band, in, yeah. in musical, in a musical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have on bass clarinet Federico Calgagno. Mm-hmm. Um, he just was, he became second at the um, Keep an Eye Jazz Award. Yeah. Also with um, a music with a lot of Carnatic uh, influences. And I was super happy to see that because... Um, I, yeah, I haven't heard a band like like his. It's called Liquid Identities, mm-hmm. um, performing in the Bim House before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was so yeah, I was really amazed by it. And uh, he also he's also really finding a balance in of uh, free improvising and really composed music. Um, and he he recently got to jazz music. He uh, he did a lot of classical music before. Yeah. So he's also like in this moment where he has to discover still so much but it goes so fast yeah so yeah it's amazing uh, musician and i'm really happy that i can be part of um, also his development in composing and playing yeah um, first time i work with him too so um, i hope that we can develop together more yeah um and then on saxophone i have kika sprangers yeah um I work with her uh, many times. Um, I play with her at the Wicked Jazz Sounds <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in the in the club. Um, but also, she performed uh, in my uh, musical theater piece um, on soprano saxophone and alto saxophone. And together, we were trying to discover ways of, in the, again, composing, improvising. Yeah. Um, and something nice to mention maybe is that almost all the musicians I mentioned now are also band leaders. Yeah, that's, a, also, that's actually a good point. Yeah, they are all, all they all compose, they're all band leaders and Kika is one of them that's really doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to release a new album soon yeah. that is completely different from their previous one. So she's also developing so fast. Yeah. Like, you know, I learned so much from the musicians I'm working with and Kika is definitely one of them. Yeah, I, I highly suspect that she will be a guest on the show in the near future. Um, she's one of those people that's been kind of on my radar of there will come a point when I, I have to talk to Kika. So yeah, exactly. People can hopefully expect to hear from her soon. Yeah, that's definitely worth it. Yeah. And then um, we have Alastair Payne on trumpet. Yeah. And man, uh, I've been always a trumpet lover. <laughs> the first music I heard was uh, was Art Blakey in the Jazz Messengers with uh, Lee Morgan. Oh, yeah. So um, that will be will ever be embodied in my... Um, my music, I think, yeah. um, and also I'm a big fan of um, of Ambrose, for instance. Like in Musiri, yeah. yeah. And then I found out about Alistair, yeah, and uh, he blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. he's pretty what, special. Yeah, um, what a great musician. 
superb sound, fantastic ways of improvisation. Um, also, like um, when I write music and there are like more improv improvised parts, I really make strong. Um, um, not borders, but like I um, maybe a set of rules. Yeah, I make a set of rules. And, yeah, yeah, guidelines um, to to go through this improvisational part, mm -hmm. um, so that like the musical language of the composition is really embodied in the improvisation as well. So in that way, the improvisation is really like on the spot composed music. Yeah, um, I really like that idea and mm -hmm. how he implements that in his improvisation is really great and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really love his playing. So again, I can learn so much from him and I get so happy when I hear him play. Yeah. Um, so that is the horn section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and then we have the rhythm section. Mm -hmm. um, the one that wasn't here yesterday was Ruven Rupik, mm -hmm. an incredible um, uh, percussionist Yeah. Um, based in Rotterdam. Um, he plays a lot with um, more Arabic percussion, okay. like the tar, the rick, the durbaka, oh, yeah. um, and many many other instruments. And, mm -hmm. and he's really um, really a master in that. Mm -hmm. He's even now teaching in Switzerland at the conservatory. Okay. Um, and yeah, a fantastic person to to work with. Um, I give him you know, a sort of basic structure and he, he plays around it with all kinds of different colors, different rhythms. Um, and then he plays vibraphone and marimba incredibly well. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. yeah I was going to say, like, that was clearly a, an aspect that was missing in the rehearsal. Yes, it was like, wait, there, there's marimba here? Okay, that's... Um, and it makes sense in your music to me that, that, that there's a sense of, like, minimalism in some of the things that you write that, yeah. that clearly kind of... It demands that. So I was about to say, wait, you, I thought it was marimba, but yeah, so he's both uh, Arabic percussion and melodic percussion. Yeah he, yeah, he also studied classical percussion. Yeah, okay. So again, he has like um, many qualities. Mm -hmm. um, and opposed to him, I have on drums Alex Brajkovic. Yeah. And um, he's a drummer that is, first of all, able to play anything you want mm -hmm. but also he's developing um, his own drum set so I mean, he's trying to find a way to play live drums as if it's an electronic drum set yeah. um, and um, he's developing that uh, already for two years um, and um, it's really nice how he's like um, using computer technique using modular synthesizers and his drumming drum playing into a new uh, instrument let's yeah, say yeah he's made yeah. this kind of hybrid live processing of drums thing um, yeah yeah it's very cool i've yeah. been working with him lately quite a bit so uh, yeah. i'm uh, i'm well aware of alex's uh, yeah stuff and it's nice like he's also a very nice guy to work with and to think about uh, um uh, concepts about you know the musical language you want to use, uh, mm -hmm. etc. So um, I also really appreciate that that you can just go to a guy and uh, be there a whole day, and you know you come home and you are full with new stuff. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah, definitely yeah. possible with uh, Alex. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, on guitar, Fuma Levine. I already talked uh, about him a bit. Yeah. Um, and one, once again, like. We influence each other um, very much. Mm -hmm. So, um, at the Aurelio project uh, CD, there was one song that I really loved, and mm -hmm. I um, wrote a piece um, inspired by his song. And then uh, a few weeks ago, I heard that he wrote a new piece completely inspired by my song. And now <laughs> I told him, like. You hear this this part of the music that we rehearsed yesterday. This 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 song, I you know, I listened a lot to your new song, yeah. uh, and then he said, "Yeah, but I don't, you know, I, I already heard that, but I don't know because I stole so much from your music that I don't know if it was from <laughs> my from my perspective or yours." So it's really nice we can be open about that we um, respectfully uh, steal stuff from yeah. each other. Cross pollination is, yeah. is how we. <laughs> 
politically correctly saying, yeah, wow. stealing each other's ideas, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's really interesting that there's that feedback between the two of you, yeah, um, obviously. Yeah. And uh, for those that aren't aware, uh, maybe can you can you vaguely describe what the, the Aurelio project is? Because you mentioned it really in passing yeah. now, but you and Vuma have a, a longer relationship than... Uh, than just this orchestra. Yeah. yeah. So um, during the conservatory time, um, um, uh, Lito Mabiaya, uh, he um, he started the project, uh, a band called Aurelio, mm-hmm. and um, we recorded two albums, and it featured Jordi Petit and Fuma Levine as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, we also did two tours in South Africa and Mozambique. So. Um, We've been doing quite a lot of stuff together. Yeah. And uh, in this project, it featured the music from Fuma, music from uh, Lito, Mabiaya, and me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, again, what I said, like I started playing again when I was in the conservatory, like this ba- band really put me back on track. Yeah. Like if this wouldn't have, wouldn't, if, uh, <laughs> if this album, or no, sorry. If this band wouldn't have existed, mm-hmm. I think I wouldn't be playing tonight at the Bim House. Yeah, yeah, no, sure. I'm pretty sure about that. So that project really changed my life. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I would be remiss to let you skip talking about your bass player because uh, that's the last. Definitely. Uh, oh, and there's live <laughs> electronics as well. But uh. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, the bass player is um, Alessandro Fongaro. Yeah. Um, he also plays in Kika's band, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, also a band leader. Yeah. Um, what I find interesting about him is that, um, first of all, he he likes the stuff that I write, and he is also hybrid. Like he he can play um, bass guitar and double bass pretty well, and he's also again now getting more interested in synthesizers and stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. once more, he's still also in this developing phase. And I really like that. Yeah. So we can learn from each other in this process. Yeah. Um, so that's that makes it uh, interesting for me as well to work with him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, also yeah. first time. So uh, a lot of potential and uh, we'll yeah. see how it will <laughs> develop. Cool. Yeah. Can, can we uh, focus in a bit on the... Uh, on the live electronics aspect yeah. of what you do and where that comes from, and I suppose like the, um, you talk a bit about like using analog synthesizers. You talk a bit about uh, indeed live electronics. Like, what is your what is your approach to that stuff? What to? Because I mean, I can imagine that even though that is becoming more and more a part of the way live jazz and improvised music is being made. Um, I can imagine that in the study that you pursue at the conservatory, it's a lot of like writing charts and yeah. like getting big band music together and all that yes. kind of stuff, right? Yes. And <laughs> and so then the idea of like bringing in modern uh, like production technique and also kind of like alternative pop techniques and these kinds of things um, is something that's somewhat alien to a lot of that world. Like, how did you get into that stuff? Yes. So. The conservatory, um, or at least my faculty, let's say, um, they were not really open to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so indeed, during my studies, I separated my composing for bigger groups uh, with like the small group uh, experimental stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, it was because I played with Aurelio Project and also with many other bands. I also did some, you know, some pop pop bands and stuff yeah. that um, that I needed to investigate in that kind of way of looking at music, looking that way of looking at sound. Um, so, um, you know, as when you get drawn to it, it makes you eager to develop more and more. Um, and at the same time, of course, the, the, the musical environment is, is changing. So, for instance, a band like Tin Man and the Telephone can really blow your mind in terms of implementing uh, like modern technique and I have not really paid good him music. to say this. No. <laughs> I need to point out. <laughs> no, but like you know that it's just it's it's there and um, it's very promising and it's it's still developing and that's why it draws so much attention to me. And, yeah, and yeah. when you're talking about trying to make something that is both of its place and of its time, I think that ignoring all of that is clearly kind of a, a, a mistake yeah exactly um, yeah. so you yeah, know that 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 makes a lot of sense to me but yeah. uh, I'm, uh, it is interesting to 
to see how you combine those things. And then I suppose the 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 next obvious topic concerning your music, and we've touched upon it a few times, is the idea of uh, carnatic rhythm and, yeah. and those kinds of things. Um, can you speak to that a bit? I mean, yeah. I, I also studied in that in that department and and took as much as I could from the the uh, composing through non-Western techniques is what they call yeah. it, right? Which is, I feel very much the wrong title for this completely like course because yes. <laughs> non-Western means one specific area of India as far yeah. as they're concerned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but uh, that aside, uh, it is fascinating content, and I, I wonder how, uh, like, how did you get exposed to that, and how do you actually translate that into your music? Because yeah. it's both it's both very clearly there, and at the same time, there is nothing aesthetically uh, South Indian about what no, you're no, doing. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, um, well, I followed the same course, like the composing through non-Western techniques that indeed is basically only South, Southern Indian kinetic rhythm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, the, that course teaches you, um, very specific rhythmical techniques and how to develop small ideas into like a, a bigger structure, etc. Um, but indeed then to implement it in your own music is quite a big step. Um, so I think it also took a while before I embodied that way of thinking into a more intuitive um, process. Mm -hmm. um, and I also realized, again, this is still in development, but but sometimes I've, you know, I was thinking in rhythm in the way that I I got taught, uh, um, but more intuitively than um, like with your mind only. Mm -hmm. um, so that uh, that took a few years before I felt like I can really use it as I use my basic skills or my basic set of chords, let's say. Yeah. Um, and um, can you maybe ask the question again? Nah, it, I mean, just generally talking about the idea of, yeah. of implementing carnatic rhythm into your music in yeah. a way that is... It's a building block, but it's not an aesthetic thing, right? Yeah. It's not like you've called a tabla player to come in. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. Um, yeah, so it's really, it was, it, it, I used it as a way to broaden my rhythmical perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and also you, you realize that there's also a certain border uh, towards like how deep you go into it. Because the deeper you go into it, the more uh, you're going to touch really South African, uh, sorry, Southern Indian um, music, mm -hmm. so it becomes really kinetic music. However, you're not a kinetic musician. Yeah. So um, actually, you should force yourself to use it in a way that that fits your personality. Yeah. Um, and that's also like um, now I have done it for four years, I mm -hmm. think, and now it's okay. Now yeah. I need to let it go, let it embody it in my you know in my set of tools. Yeah. Um, so that I can only use it whenever I want, instead of that it's a fixed thing that I need to structure it in a uh, in a typical way um, that they use in South India. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's also that I mean you're obviously writing for musicians who are either either have followed that course or are completely not familiar with the material. So yeah. it's a, it's interesting to try to bring out that stuff in in a completely different context, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah. I find an interesting thing because I, I see it more and more in various yeah. uh, projects here that people yeah. are trying to. And then what's interesting is, and that's, you know, that is something I really need to develop more. Like um, you, you have, you want to just project a certain feeling, a certain emotion. You want to tell a certain story to your music. So you should only um, use it if that fits your Musical or conceptual idea, mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I'm, you know, I'm still searching for. Um, so, yeah, it's really in development. Yeah, it's an ongoing process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a, and this is a really practical thing, but there is a, there's something that I want to touch upon with you, which I, um, whenever I deal with people who are working with large ensembles, I'd like to touch upon it is. The idea of obviously the practicalities of putting together this kind of a large ensemble. Yeah. What are the opportunities out there for such an ensemble? Um, it seems to me like a very brave stance to decide, okay, I'm going to put together a 14-piece ensemble. 
even more so 14 band leaders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That seems like uh, a, uh, a an agenda nightmare to me. Yeah. Uh, but evidently you're making it work. And um, I suppose tied to that topic of of the what the opportunities are there for for an ensemble like this and for for a composer such as yourself um the idea that you are currently basically artist in residence at the bim house with this yep. project and um how did that come how did the support of the bim house come into play and uh, can you speak a bit about that yeah trajectory? definitely yeah so indeed like to to make things like this happen um i realized the past years that you need support um so two years ago i tried to book like this orchestra um and then i realized it is impossible without <laughs> any preparation and any any financing let's say um so about the bim house yeah it's a, it's very special actually like i'm i'm very lucky that i can be the sort of artist and res- young artist in residence of the mm-hmm. bim house and also the the first one let's say yeah um uh, so I'm also happy to share it with so many people. Um, and I think also that's maybe part of it that I could be the first to do it because immediately 14 people are involved. Yeah. Um, but the reason was that I, I went to the director of the BIM house, Michael Lufa, um, just to talk about how on earth can I put this orchestra together and how can I uh, let my dream come true. And um, with, without any... Um, further um, uh, idea that, you know, this project would would happen. I was just interested in someone that is already longer in the scene um, that could help me, you know, um, or advise me in how to do it. Yeah. And we've been talking for two hours, I think. Um, and then she, she, she told, like, I'm a bit silent about it because... There are so many things you say and you you touch in your your story that fits my my dreams, like having you know having all those people involved um, and giving so much space to so many people. Let grow or let develop the uh, a younger generation of musicians, um, you know, in a place where it's possible. Like the Bim House has a rehearsal room, has space for um, uh, programming younger people. It's a huge place, so. And, you know, she, she feels like, I would like to have all those musicians around me, you know. Yeah. Um, so then she thought, well, maybe we can do something together because we can help each other growing, you know, uh, growing, developing our ideas. Yeah. And then uh, we decided to uh, do the, um, apply for the Nieuwe Makers Regeling mm-hmm. uh, from the Fonds Podium Kunsten. Yeah. Um, and it's a, a subsidy that um, um, supports venues, and musicians together um, for uh, a long-term project. Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely, I think that they will continue doing this. Yeah. Uh, with uh, hopefully as much as musicians as possible, because every musician deserves an opportunity like this. Yeah. No, it's pretty special, and it's yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly grateful that that you. Uh, that you, I mean, somewhat initiated this with with Micah. That yeah. you guys got together and made made this possible because yeah. indeed, um, these sorts of projects just live and die on whether the right person actually gives you the attention that you yeah. deserve. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess is is there any other stuff that we haven't touched upon? Um, things that you want to mention? Any other projects that you're busy with? Uh, I can imagine that this is taking all of your time at this yeah, point. But, mostly, um, yeah, mostly. But what can people look forward to um, besides the show that is tonight, if you're listening to this, the day it releases, which is the 29th of April? Yeah. And uh, if it's later on, what can people... Yes, so um, I've also been busy with another music theatre project. Mm-hmm. Um, there I was musical leader, yeah. um, and I composed and arranged some music. Uh, that's in the Bellevue Theater, I think, uh, the uh, the twelfth of May. Okay. Um, it's um, with a lot of Russian music. Hmm. It's a it's a theater piece about. Um, uh, uh, oh, it's it's a like a um, creative. Um, um, I know. Wait, I need to say it differently. Um, Let's say the the piece is inspired by the um, the cherry garden of Chekhov. 
Okay, yeah. And uh, or the Cherry Orchard, I think yeah. it's called yeah, in English. Yeah. Um, but the director Mart van Berkel really maybe used one page mm. of the original text and you know transformed everything else. So yeah, also yeah. the music is completely transformed compared to the original music. Okay. Uh, so that's very interesting. And um, in August there will be a new piece of mine played by the Young Metropole. Yeah. Um, I won the. Uh, Rogier van Ottelo Award last mm-hmm. year, uh, and therefore I got I have the opportunity to write a new piece, um, and that's like they will perform it I think 10, 11th, and 12th of August. Mm-hmm. So after this project, I'm uh, I'm finding the time to write that, yeah. um, and it will be released or it will be p- uh, premiered in the um, uh, uh, Radio Kootwijk. Mm-hmm. It's a really big hole in the middle of the uh, Veluwe. It's a, you know na- the nature park in yeah. the middle of the, the Netherlands, and that room has a really strange reverb. Like it's super big. Okay. So I'm uh, I'm trying to find a, a way to compose with that. Let's yeah, say. Yeah, I was going to say that's not necessarily very uh, friendly to kinetic. Uh, no, so it will be it will it will be completely different compared to what you will hear tonight. Yeah. Um, and the main concept I have now is that um, there there might be one soloist, and he will uh, play something that the orchestra doesn't really like. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he's developing that that idea, that musical phrase, or that you know that thing he wants to say, in such a way that uh, the orchestra sort of turning around and suddenly um, um, supports that idea. Okay. So uh, you can think about it what you want, but like you can see it as someone, you know, that has a brilliant idea and like the whole, you know, it takes time before a whole group understands it and then supports it. Okay. Or yeah. someone um, that has like, let's say, pop, uh, populistic idea. Yeah. And then like, and the- you know, he tries <laughs> so much that suddenly everybody believes it. Okay. So um, that's more like of a concept. I'm not sure how much I'm going to use it, but um, that's my starting point. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, yeah, I think we're reaching the end of this conversation. I, uh, I always like to end by asking my guests to recommend something that yeah. they found particularly inspiring or, or that they think people should uh, give some attention to. So I don't yeah. know if anything comes to mind. Yeah, well, um, there's one person that I really admire and it has been already uh, said before in uh, one of your podcasts and that is the composer Michel van der A. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah Bram uh, Stathouders recommended yes, that. Previously. Yeah, like he's a classical composer and, and he's a pioneer in implementing or using like modern techniques, video, yeah. 3D video, VR and, yeah. into like the modern opera world. But it's re- for jazz musicians, it's really interesting to check him out. Yeah. Um, I don't know the date, but there's a new uh, premiere coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that helped me a lot in sort of um, finding the emotional part of your body uh, and putting that more consciously in your music in the music is actually the uh, letters that Vincent van Gogh. Van Gogh wrote. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's so inspiring how honest he is and how vulnerable he is. Yeah. Although he is a great artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can buy a book, don't read them online. Just buy a book of letters yeah. and um, read them. It's yeah, it's yeah. really inspiring. And then um, for a few more um, electronic inspiration, <laughs> um, there's a trio that I found out. Um, in Berlin mm-hmm. in October, no, in November, it's called Trio Heinz Herbert. Okay. And nobody in that band is called Heinz or Herbert. That is good. Because yeah. I was going to say, otherwise, that's a terrible name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and th- but that's really cool. They really, they, they play live completely experimental electronic music. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have an album, a new album called Yes, and it's okay. worth checking out. Yeah. And another thing that Alex uh, showed me was an album by Daniel Lanois and Venetian Snares. Oh yeah, it's yeah, yeah. really intense music, but yeah. man, <laughs> it's so so cool. You know, it was so new to me. Like yeah. it's super fresh. And uh, again, for the musicians that have been, you know, listening to a lot of jazz, a lot of classical music, this is something else. No, <laughs> so definitely. you know, interesting to to listen to. 
cool. Yeah, that's a that's more recommendations than uh, than I'm used to. Yeah. And uh, I, I encourage <laughs> everybody to uh, go seek that stuff out. There will be yeah. links on the uh, Sound of the Moment page uh, to all of that stuff. Uh, Tyne, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Pat. Once again, if you are listening to this on the day of release, that's the 29th of April 2019, Tyne and Amok will be performing tonight at the Bim House, and I highly recommend that you go and check them out. Many thanks to my fellow members of Catrio for providing the intro and outro music. Please subscribe to the show wherever you like to get your podcasts, leave favorable reviews and ratings wherever that may be, and tell a friend if you know anybody who might like to listen to this kind of content. Go to patreon.com slash sound of the moment if you would like to make a donation to help me keep this show up and running. Even the smallest amount is really helpful and thank you so much to those of you who already support me that way. You can reach me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver, you can like the Sound of the Moment page on Facebook and you can email me at pat at soundofthemoment.com Now, more music from Tain Vibacha and Amok. This is a live recording of the orchestra in its first incarnation when it was a 36-piece band. And the composition is called Hydra. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Sound of the Moment.
Thank you, Mel.